The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty became a best-selling book and blockbuster movie inspired by a true story. But are you familiar with the real person that inspired this story? Today, we'll discuss who Ronald Hunt Keller was, the details of his exorcism, and just how much of this story was really true on this episode of Technically a Conversation. you're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, Elena. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. I'm doing great also. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Yeah, I totally did not ask how you were doing. I blanked out. (laughs) That's okay. I'm not that important. So No, I just blanked out. (laughs) I got nervous again. (laughs) Uh, It's okay. Okay, move on. (laughs) So how has your week been going so far? Pretty good. Uh, I go back to nights on Monday, so looking forward to that. But uh, good. How about yours? Good. I haven't done anything really interesting aside from the weekend. We got to sing some karaoke with some total strangers. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And there are some recordings out there, but they're, uh, you know, locked away in my phone. (laughs) They're locked (laughs) away on my phone and on my husband's phone, Antonio. (laughs) Yeah, those are total lies. There are no recordings of that uh, that night. (laughs) (laughs) It it didn't happen. So I know we said that we weren't really going to be doing shout outs anymore because we're recording so far in advance, but we did just want to take the time to thank everyone who shared our post, including all of the newbies. So thank you, Erica, the Duke, Stephen B., Contra Zoom Pod Podcast, Elba, Madtown Charity, Our Base One, Antonio, I Evolved, and Adan. Thank you for sharing our post on your social media. Thank you. We really appreciate it. With all that business out of the way, ready to get started? Ready. Great. Let's get started. So, Elena, have you ever experienced something supernatural before? Yes. Do you believe it's possible for someone to be possessed by an entity, such as a ghost or a demon? I used to, but I do not believe in that anymore. Okay. So, the supernatural experience that you had, would you mind sharing what it was? I believe that it actually came out in one of the recordings. I submitted a voicemail. So for those of you who didn't hear that episode or didn't hear the voicemail, basically, I was home alone and it was verified because I called, well, it was a male voice. So I called my father and I called my older brother and it couldn't have been my younger brother because it was a an older, more manlier voice. But I was showering and I heard somebody knocking on the door. It was more like pounding on the door and calling my name. And every time I would turn off the radio because I would always... I mean, I I still do it to this day, but I shower while I listen to music or I listen to music while I shower. Sorry. (laughs) So I was listening to music. I would turn it off. I would ask what? No answer. It happened about three or four times. Finally got fed up with it. I got out of the shower, put the towel on, walked around the house all angry. The house was empty, called my father, called Jose. 
everybody said it wasn't them. So that is pretty supernatural, I guess I would say. And I just remember the door rattling from the pounding. Like I, I saw it, but I don't know. I must have been hallucinating. I don't know what happened, but I know that's probably like the most supernatural thing I've ever seen. And then also when I was younger, I was maybe four or five. I claimed to have seen Bloody Mary in the bathroom, which you also didn't remember me telling you because I saw some like beautiful lady in like a blue flowy gown. And I figured if I was seeing her in the bathroom window, I mean window, the bathroom mirror, it must have been Bloody Mary. But I don't know. I don't know what that was. But those are the like the two instances that I've had. But like I said, I must have been <laughs> hallucinating. I don't know why I wasn't on any drugs, but that's pretty much it. So why is it that you believe that that was supernatural, but you wouldn't consider maybe being possessed by a demon or by a ghost being supernatural? Why you wouldn't think that that would be possible? I just believe in the more... I believe in science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nacho Libre. Yeah, no, I know. Esqueleto. Esqueleto, por favor. Oh, esqueleto, yeah. <laughs> sí. No. <laughs> it's because I believe in science. No, I believe in like the scientific... Sci I don't know. I, I just feel that there's a better explanation out there about the things that people see or witness. Okay, so hypothetically speaking, if somebody were to be possessed by a ghost or a demon, do you believe that it might be possible for a priest to be able to conduct an exorcism to rid someone of this demonic possession? I mean, sure, they can conduct an exorcism, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get rid of whatever ailment is really affecting that person, which actually might be some kind of mental disability or mental disease or illness. Yeah, that's what I believe. And that's what I feel a lot of people uh, with scientific backgrounds believe is that it's usually people suffering from mental illness. The following is from an All That's Interesting article by William DeLong. The link to this and all our sources will be in the show notes. In January of 1949, in Washington, D.C., 13-year-old Ronald Hunkeller, depressed over the death of his beloved Aunt Harriet, begins experiencing strange things. He heard scratching sounds coming from the floors and walls of his room. Water began dripping from pipes and walls, and his mattress began moving abruptly. Ronald's family consulted with doctors, psychiatrists, and their local Lutheran minister, but none of them were able to help the distraught family. The minister suggested the family contact the Jesuit priests for assistance. Father E. Albert Hughes, a Catholic priest, asked his superiors for permission to perform an exorcism on the boy, and the church granted his request in late February of 1949. Hughes strapped the boy to the mattress and began the rites of exorcism, but the ritual was cut short when Ronald broke a piece of the mattress spring and slashed the priest across the shoulder, leaving the exorcism unfinished. Let's examine the details of this case and the famous movie it inspired. But first, Elena, are you familiar with the exorcism of Ronald Hunkeller? I am not. I am familiar with the exorcism of Emily Rose. Uh, that's a different case and different movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and actually, you would be forgiven for not knowing this case, because up until a couple of years ago, the identity of the person who inspired the best-selling book and blockbuster movie, The Exorcist, was unknown. In the book, he was known by the pseudonym of Rolando to conceal Ronald and his family's identity. Only now that Ronald passed away in 2020, have people who are familiar with Ronald and the family acknowledge his identity. 
There were some people online that were able to figure it out from a 1949 Washington Post article and details provided in that report, but until we had confirmation, they were just very educated guesses and amateur detective work. The movie took several liberties with the story and turned a 13-year-old boy named Roland into a 12-year-old girl named Reagan. Since Roland and Ronald are so similar, and they're the same person, I'm going to refer to him as Ronald from now on, since that's his real name. Ronald or Roland? Ronald is the real name. In the book, he was referred to as Roland. Okay, got it. Yeah, that was just to conceal his name. And I know it's confusing, so I'm just going to call him Ronald from now on. Did you know that the person that inspired the book was actually a boy and not a girl? No, I did not. This is the first I hear of it. Same. What are your thoughts so far? Very interesting. Definitely piqued my interest. Did you know that The Exorcist was based, and I say that in quotes, on a true story? Yes, I did know that. Let's go ahead and proceed with the rest of Ronald's story. When we last left Ronald, he had used a piece of mattress spring to slash the shoulder of Father Hughes, causing the exorcism to end before it could be completed. A few days after that incident, red scratches appeared on Ronald's body and formed the word Lewis. This somehow indicated to his mother that they had to travel to St. Louis if they were going to find a way to save her son. A cousin of the family who was attending St. Louis University put the Hunklers in contact with Father Walter Holloran and Reverend William Bodern, two Jesuit priests who agreed to perform an exorcism on Ronald with the help of several assistants. The two priests and their entourage first met with Ronald in March of 1949. The men witnessed the boy had scratches all over his body and the mattress moving violently. These were the same things Father Hughes witnessed during the first failed exorcism attempt. Father Bodern and Holloran noticed a peculiar pattern to Ronald's behavior. During the day, he seemed fine and was calm and normal. At night, when it was time for bed, he would exhibit his strange behavior, screaming and wild outbursts. He was described as entering a trance-like state and would start making sounds in a guttural voice. The priest also observed objects flying in the boy's presence and his violent reaction when he saw any religious objects from the Jesuits. Okay, but were they flying or were they being thrown at him? <laughs> Maybe because he didn't want to be tied down. Maybe, but if he was tied down, how could he throw him? Was he always tied down? That's a pretty good question. Uh, that I don't know. It, it, that wasn't really explored in any of the articles that I used for the source material. Reportedly, all these details made it into the movies. I'm going to have to take all that's interesting word for it because I haven't seen the movies in a couple of decades. They also recount some details that didn't make it into the movie. During the month-long marathon exorcism, Bodern claimed to have seen an X scratched on Ronald's chest. He believed it stood for the Roman numeral 10 and signified that Ronald was possessed by 10 demons. I was like, damn girl, 10 demons? Housing one demon is bad enough. Those fools better clean up after themselves and pay rent. Also, having an entourage of priests show up at your house every day for a month? Hell no. You know you're going to have to, at a minimum, cook them dinner every night and have cold beers in the fridge for them. They would bankrupt me. Mejor le pongo Vicks y le doy su tecito de manzanilla y vámonos. Good as new. I call it a day. Yeah. Maybe X marks the spot. No, just kidding. Or maybe it means X, stay away from me, freaking priests. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. They're all ganging up on a poor child. Yeah, it gets a little bit worse. In addition to the red X on Ronald's chest, there was another incident where a pitchforked-shaped pattern of red lines moved down the boy's thigh down towards his ankle. 
That kind of gave me bad vibes. What are these priests doing looking at the kid's chest and thighs? The good thing is that there has never been any reported cases of priests acting inappropriately with children. That's a good thing. I mean, that wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I I just thought that was kind of, it it definitely raised some red flags for me. You know, as soon as you said that they were tying this kid down on his bed, I already had the bad vibes, so. As a mom, how would you feel about that? As a mom, I'd probably take my kid to a hospital and not call in a priest. But I mean, that's just me. That's 2023 me. Yeah, and this is uh, 1949, so. So keep in mind, this this started back in January, so now we're in March. On the evening of March 20th, 1949, the exorcism was described as reaching an unhealthy new level, and Ronald reportedly urinated all over himself and began shouting and cursing the priests. The parents were like, fuck that noise, and took him to Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis for more serious treatment. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. And then we'll discuss the miracle that happened on April 18th. Let's do it. Prepare to enter an immersive world of tragedies, hauntings, legends, and folklore. Southern Gothic is a podcast that will take you deep into the dark history and haunted lore of the American South, exploring some of the region's most infamous tales. From the swamps of Louisiana to the shores of the Carolinas, isolated communities of Appalachia, and the bloody battlefields and earliest settlements of Virginia. This is where ghost stories come alive. Grim secrets are exposed and mysteries. Well, you need to listen to find out. Join us now at southerngothicmedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you want a science podcast? No. What about a comedy science podcast? Oh, yeah. Then join us at Petri Dish. I'm Sean, a PhD and cancer researcher. And I'm Nathan, his trusty sidekick and common man slash biological brother. Together we dive into the latest, hottest topics with irreverent gusto. Cannabinoids, climate change, human sexuality. Listen weekly, everywhere podcasts are available, to Petri Dish. And we're back. So, Elena, were you possessed by any demons during our break? God, I hope not. Looked like you were possessed by the Holy Spirit, though, the way that you were dancing during one of those commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I was possessed by the the groove, I don't know, the music that was playing. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Salah, that uh, you're giving her a run for her money now. Uh, <laughs> no, no, nada que ver. <laughs> yeah, once you start doing the worm, though, I think that, that's when you've really given her a run for the money. That'll be uh, next next episode. Orale. What are your thoughts so <laughs> far with Ronald and this case? So far, I mean, my mother brain, I guess, I feel like he was being abused by these priests. And I'm glad that the mother or the parents finally took him to a hospital for some actual treatment. That's my initial. Those are my initial thoughts. I, I don't know. Let's Let's see where this goes. 
As of right now, does anything seem supernatural or like it's so crazy that it couldn't have possibly happened? I mean, not to me, but I'm sure that there are some listeners out there that would definitely believe in being possessed by a demon, a devil, or whatever, and think, you know, that it is supernatural. Just just not me. Well, if anybody has any stories, we would definitely like to hear it. We will have our email and phone number and all that in the show notes. Again, speaking as a mother, if one of your sons were ever to start experiencing weird behaviors like this, would it take you three months to check them into a hospital for treatment? At this point, no, not at all. But we do have mental illness that runs in our family as well. So I kind of have to take that into consideration. Very true. I don't think I would have waited that long either. But then again, it was the 40s at that time. Mental health was something that few people, if any, acknowledged, let alone talked about. Let's see what miracle happened to our protagonist at Alexian Brothers Hospital. It was April 18th, the Monday after Easter, and Ronald woke up with seizures. He was yelling at the priest saying that Satan would always be with him. The priest wasted no time in placing crucifixes, medals, rosaries, and something only described as holy relics on the boy. They didn't go into details to what this was, but I'm guessing it was more religious paraphernalia. At 10.45 p.m. that night, the priest called on St. Michael to expel Satan from Roland's body. They shouted at Satan saying that St. Michael was coming to fight him for Roland's soul. Seven minutes later, Ronald emerged from his trance and stated that Satan was gone and told the priest of a vision he had of St. Michael battling Satan on a great battlefield. From that moment forward, Ronald went on to live a normal life. So what do you think of the story and the person who inspired Reagan and the Exorcist movie and the franchise? So this kid went on to live a normal life only after he went to the doctors or this was all the priest doing. I think I missed that part. Yeah, so he was at a, at a Alexian Brothers Hospital. From what I understand, it, it was a regular hospital, but it was run by Jesuit priests. So the priest still had access to the boy. And it was April 18th when he woke up with seizures that I guess they did the most um, hardcore exorcism of them all. And when they asked St. Michael to expel Satan from Roland's body, that was when he was finally, I guess, exorcised. And from that moment forward, he lived a normal life. And there's no indication or mention of any drugs or anything given to this poor child? No, not at all. Just the power of Michael. It's Saint Michael to you. Oh, Saint Michael. Okay, is there <laughs> is there a reason why Saint Michael though? Like is there a background as to what kind of angel he is or whatever? Michael or Saint Michael if you're nasty. Um <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> nasty. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i call him in bed <laughs> saint michael because i'm nasty <laughs> oh jesus because i'm always screaming to god ever not <laughs> <laughs> lord okay <laughs> no i'm i'm not sure why it was saint michael if i remember from lucifer he was kind of like the more fucked up uh twin brother of uh lucifer but um it's been many decades since I went to Catholic school, so I don't really remember why the significance of St. Michael. Yeah, you know, that, I'm kind of curious about that too. I'm like, why Michael? But it's interesting because why why was St. Michael or Angel, Archangel Michael, whatever you want to call him in bed, <laughs> why was he able to help this kid and not God or Jesus who are supposed to be like the Almighty? 
Those are great questions. Those are questions that I didn't think of, so I didn't think to research them. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Now I'm playing devil's advocate. (laughs) Perdón. Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) A lesser podcast would end here. We would thank you for listening, ask you to subscribe, leave us a review, tell a friend. But on Technically a Conversation, we don't fuck around. Do you want to know the real-life Ronald Hunkeller and how his story became a book? Oh, my God, yes. I thought that was like, wow, that's it. Show's over, folks. (laughs) No, not again, a lesser podcast would have ended there. Let's dive into the real story. Okay, you totally got me. (laughs) First, let's talk about how this became a book. According to a Skeptical Inquirer article by J.D. Sword, the book was written by William Peter Blatty, and he first became familiar with the story while a student at Georgetown University when he read a 1949 Washington Post article entitled, Priest Freeze Mountain Rainer Boy Reportedly Held in Devil's Grip by Bill Brinkley. (laughs) The article pretty much said everything we've mentioned up until this point, but it mentioned the names of several priests that were involved in the exorcism. The key person there being Father Raymond Bishop. Bishop kept the diary of the events that Blatty would use to base his novel on, and the actual diary was reprinted later in a book by Thomas Allen called Possessed. The Skeptical Inquirer article has a couple of discrepancies from the All That's Interesting article, primarily that Ronald was 14 years old at the time, not 13, and the deceased aunt was Aunt Tilly, not Aunt Harriet, and the minister that was initially contacted was Protestant and not Lutheran. They also stated that Ronald was referred to as Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim in the article. I was actually able to locate the OG Washington Post article, and it does indeed confirm the boy was 14 and the minister was Protestant. The Washington Post also stated that the boy was treated at Georgetown University Hospital and St. Louis University, both being Jesuit institutions. Also, there was no mention at all of the priest's names or the pseudonyms of Ronald Doe or Robbie Manhine, as reported by Skeptical Inquirer. Also, no mention of an Aunt Harriet or Aunt Tilly. It did state that a 50-year-old priest stayed with the boy for two months, oftentimes sleeping in the same house or same room as the boy until the devil finally left him. It also stated that between 20 to 30 exorcisms were conducted in total before the boy was freed from his possession. Not sure why there were so many discrepancies between all of the sources, if they all used the Washington Post article as a source. The only thing that I'm thinking is that they might have had added details from the book or the diary. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. Although this priest sleeping in the same room as a kid and 20 or 30 exorcisms, I mean, I don't know, but my my brain just goes to 20 or 30 like aggravated sexual assaults. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully that didn't happen, but I also didn't get good vibes. Yeah. The Skeptical Inquirer article also stated that the investigation into finding the identity of Roland was done by Mark Opsonik, Mike Madonna, and Sergio Rueda. Opsonik was able to locate an article in Fate magazine from January 1975 that confirmed the boy's date of birth as June 1st, 1935. Opsonik estimated Ronald graduated from high school in 1954 and located the 1954 Gonzaga High School yearbook. Opsonek checked for any graduates that were members of St. James Church, which was the church Father Hughes belonged to. He was a priest who was slashed on the shoulder by Ronald 
with the mattress spring. He narrowed those graduates to kids that lived in either Mount Rainier or Cottage City, and only five students fit that criteria. When he cross-referenced the birthdays, only one was born on June 1st, 1935, our man Ronald Hunkeller. Opsednik cross-references information with T. Weston Scott Jr., a member of the Cottage City Colmer Manor Fire Department, and asked about the boy who had the exorcism, and he confirmed the address of the boy, which was 3807 40th Street in Cottage City, Maryland. The address allowed him to look up the last name of the parents and prove that his suspicion was correct. The boy's name was Ronald Hunkeller. Opsednik chose not to reveal Ronald's identity in the 1999 article he published in Strange Magazine. Sergio Reda was able to interview Reverend Schulze, who was the Lutheran minister at the beginning of the story that told Ronald's mom to contact the Jesuits' priest for assistance. He was actually Protestant. Reda asked Reverend Schulze in an interview on July 25, 1990, if the name of the family was the Hunkeller family, to which Schulze replied, yes. J.D. Sword, who wrote the Skeptical Inquirer article, stated he cross-referenced the yearbook, and the yearbook photo did confirm Ronald Hunkeller's address as being 3807 40th Street in Cottage City. I didn't know yearbooks used to have people's addresses back in the day, but okay. Well, I'm pretty sure we've seen my my dad's yearbook, or our dad's yearbook, and he didn't have his address published, and that was, wait. That was in the 60s, though. Oh, never mind. Okay. Maybe back then it was like a like a yellow book. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. The white pages. People didn't have the googs back then. The strange thing is that when I googled that address, I couldn't find 3807 40th Street in Cottage City. I was only able to locate 3807 40th Avenue in Brentwood, Maryland. From the map, it looks like it's in the Cottage City area, so maybe they renamed it. It's not unusual for addresses to change throughout the years. My house actually had a different address before I purchased it, which made finding it on Google Maps super frustrating in the beginning. I don't know if you remember when I first bought my house, I would always tell people, my house is the pink Juarez house. I'll be the fat guy outside that looks like Elvis. You remember when I used to tell people that shit? <laughs> I do not remember that. And I don't remember your house having a different address, but that's interesting. I mean, how long ago was this now? Like 15, 18 years? No, when I bought the house, it was like 13 years ago. 13? Oh, it seems longer. <laughs> That's how bad my memory is. It definitely feels longer. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember that. I do remember you talking about the color of your house. Um, but That's so interesting. I don't remember it having a different address. Interesting. Okay. The different address was before I purchased it. But I remember when I would, oh. when I would tell people this is my address, it wouldn't show up on Google Maps because Google Maps still had the old address. Apparently, they changed it like when they did like the whole 911 thing. And everybody's address got changed in this area for some reason. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I guess. I mean, it's not cool for you if you have to stand out there like Elvis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like one for the money, two for the show. Three to get ready now. <laughs> Throw on my blue suede shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, I don't look like Elvis anymore. Why not? And my house is also not pink anymore. No, it's not. No, I look like... I probably look like Elvis the way he would look now. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, shut the, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Sword, along with a colleague, were able to find information on Ancestry.com that further proved Ronald was the exorcist kid. Father Raymond Bishop's diary listed Roland Doe as the son of Mr. and Miss Edwin Doe, 
According to Ancestry, the father's name was Edwin Hunkeller. The mother's name was Odell. Edwin, the father, had a sister named Mathilda Hendricks, who Sword believes was surely the Aunt Tilly that was mentioned. Ronald's date of birth was also confirmed as being June 1st, 1935, and died on May 10th, 2020. Sword was able to locate the cover letter that was turned into Alexian Brothers Hospital along with this diary. The diary was very careful to conceal the identity of the boy, but the cover letter that accompanied the book mentioned Roland and the Hunkeller family. Now that we have the identity of Ronald, do you want to know a little bit more about him? Yes, of course. So I'm going to preface this by saying that this was on the New York Post, but several reputable publications, including The Guardian, cited it. Okay. So I'm hoping they did their due diligence as they actually have the resources to investigate this shit. Right. That said, according to a New York Post article by Isabel Vincent and Jack Morfitt, Hunk Keller was a NASA engineer whose work contributed to the Apollo space mission of the 1960s and patented a technology that helped space shuttle panels withstand extreme heat. His companion of 29 years, who asked not to be identified, told the New York Post that he was always on the edge about his NASA colleagues finding out that he was the inspiration for the exorcist. He feared someone finding out and coming to his home and never letting him have any peace. He lived a terrible life of worry. Hung Keller died a month short of his 86th birthday after having suffered a stroke at his home. Although Hung Keller had three children, two daughters, and a son, he had long been estranged from them and neither of them attended his funeral. Now, Elena, do you want to know the best part of this whole story? The whole reason I even decided to do this story to begin with. Yeah, because I thought you had already mentioned that. <laughs> I got to keep you on your toes with all these twists and turns. This is like a Christopher Nolan movie here. It's uh, where's What's the Shyamalan twist? All right, the Shyamalan twist. The whole reason I even decided to do this story, it was all made up. All of it. What the? No way. Hung Keller made the whole fucking thing up just to get out of school. So there were no priests, there were no hospital stays, there was nothing. Nothing at all. All that shit was real. But him being possessed was not real. He made up the possession part. So he pretended to be possessed and all the other things happened. Oh my god. In the interview that Sergio Reda did with Reverend Schulze, the priest that suggested to Hunk Keller's mom to contact the Jesuit priest, Schulze stated the father tended to spoil Ronald and while the mother was stricter, she was very superstitious. Schulze admitted that he initially wondered if Hunkeller may have manipulated her beliefs, turning to trickery to get her to take him out of school for a while. Still not convinced, Hunkeller's companion of 29 years told the New York Post that Ronald himself never believed he was a victim of satanic possession and he shunned religion. Quote, he said he wasn't possessed. It was all concocted. He said, quote, I was just a bad boy. So he basically did this just to get out of school. Yes. <laughs> and that's him being a bad boy. That is like beyond being just bad. Oh my God. I don't know. I don't know what I would do if that were my own son. Oh my God. The, the story would be like, um, mother kills child. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> Super dark, right? No, no, I'm just joking. Wow, that, oh my God goodness i cannot for him to be able to keep it up keep it up for that long that's just man that is like endurance or i don't know whatever you want to call it wow 
I'm impressed. Uh, how do you like them apples, Elena? No, I do not like them at all. Very rotten. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't believe that that was made up just for some kid not wanting to go to class. For how many days again? Uh, it was for about like three months, maybe four, because I think it started in January and it was until about April. Jesus. No, man. No. That, <laughs> that it was definitely the Shyamalan or what's his name? Nolan twist? The Nolan twist, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, I did not see that coming at all, especially since I had never heard of this story. So, I mean, I've heard of The Exorcist. I had heard that it was a true story. I had never heard that it was all made up. <laughs> Kudos to that child. Definitely. I recently learned that it was all made up too. It was just maybe like within the past couple of days. Well, actually by this point. Yeah, it was maybe like within the past couple of weeks maybe that I learned that it was all made up. And I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. I've got to do an episode on this. Oh, I, I can't. I mean, I know that we might have faked a stomach bug or feeling a little under the weather, but being possessed by a <laughs> demon... Let alone, how many did he say he was possessed by 10 or 13 or whatever? That's just what the priest thought because he had an X carved on his chest, allegedly. Oh, that's right. So when he broke the spring from the bed, he basically used the spring to carve all the stuff on himself. Who knows? Who knows how much of that is actually true? Oh my God, that is just amazing. Because uh, Bishop, the priest that wrote the diary, like that's like pretty much the source material. He wasn't there... I believe, until he was taken to the hospital. So all the time that he was there at the house, he didn't witness none of that stuff. So from when he first started to where he had, like where the possession thing escalated and he urinated all over himself and everything, he wasn't there that whole time. So he must have gotten this information from another priest or from the parents or who knows what the source of that information was. It wasn't until he was actually there at that hospital that he started keeping a record of, of what was going on. Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> I have no other words. <laughs> I know. It's like the greatest story ever told, I feel. Okay, but why is it that we haven't heard more about this? Because the identity of the kid barely came out in 2020 during the pandemic. I know. But wait, but okay, three years later, I'm surprised we still haven't heard about this. Again, I just barely heard about this maybe like two, well, when did I hear about it? It was last week. Fuck, I don't even know. I, I, I can't keep, since the pandemic, I can't keep track of time anymore. But I started writing this article on Monday of this week. So I heard about it sometime last week. So I guess since this is turning super complicated, it would have been the week of April 7th. All right. Well, this is what's going to put the podcast on the real map right there. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Bombshell. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. On that high note, we hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yeah. Follow us on the socials at greetingstac, email us at greetingstac at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story to share with us about how you became possessed by the devil and it was all made up and how you never mind i don't know i don't have anything <laughs> you cheated your way out of not going to school for four months
<laughs> at being possessed by the devil. Sword, along with a colleague, were able to find information. Information. <laughs> information. 